0: Yo, good day, gents, and welcome to another episode of Father's Fire. My name is Jody Cedric, and you guys know every week we get together to explore the joys, the challenges, the the triumphs, the sorrows, and yes, the fun of being a dad, and it is volleyball season, so you know it's a lot of fun in our house. (laughs) So Judy, Judy and I went to the first UVU game, and they beat Cal Poly. And then Judy went to uh, down there last night or Thursday, and they beat uh, Berkeley. So they're on a roll. They're a lot of fun in our house, and we're trying to figure out how we get to every game. But, you know, you guys know the delicate balance of work and family and making time for those things that are most important. Because I tell you, they go away really fast. So, but anyway, I'm. Super excited! I have a guest with me today that I've been trying to get on the show for a long, long time. His name is DeAndre Carter. He uh, runs a phenomenal um, organization. Just recently had a great event uh, called Ready to Win, and he's all about demanding greatness. And I love that that uh, phrase because I think a lot of times. We as dads don't demand greatness of ourselves. We demand greatness of our kids, but not ourselves. So welcome, DeAndre. How are you, brother?
1: I'm good. And after that intro, I'm I'm inspired. I like how you put that. That's really important. And sometimes we do demand greatness of others, but the best way to demand greatness of others is to first demand it from ourselves because it's easy to be an example in that case.
0: Yeah, you know, I think a lot of times we have a tendency, especially as a dad, right? We have these certain expectations of how we want our kids to respond and act and be respectful right. but sometimes expectations in reality do not line up
1: right that's very most times it doesn't
0: <laughs> most times it doesn't right and and usually i find that as a dad when there's conflict or disappointment in my family it's when those expectations haven't been met and that can go both ways.
1: Very true, very true. I mean,
0: how many times do our kids go, man, my dad is such a butthead. <laughs> he doesn't listen to me.
1: Right, well, the expectations set everything up because when you when you have an expect, unmet expectation, what happens is the, the process of setting an expectation, when you think about it, you literally begin to see feel and experience that event before it occurs because mm-hmm. in order for you to form the expectation you have to paint the picture in your mind and what happens is that people begin to then have an experience that's below what they expected or imagined and that gap depending on how big it is is what create those emotions of disappointment or frustration or whatever somebody's go-to emotion is when a negative event happens but literally when we have expectations we are creating a standard and then the reality will either come meet that standard, come below or come above. So that's what happens a lot of times when people set expectations, which why having similar expectations is so important, whether it's in business, whether it's in sports, or whether it's in family, having an expectation of each other is what allows us to be on the same page and, and, and try to minimize those moments where you run into that kind of disappoint, disappointment and frustration. I mean, we're human. So we're going to run into them at some point, but we just want to minimize how big those gaps are and how long they last.
0: Yeah. I I like the way that you said that. See, feel and experience before it even happened. Right. I mean, you think about waiting for your son or your daughter to be home at twelve o'clock. You're expecting them to be twelve o'clock, and all of a sudden Mm -hmm. it's twelve oh five, twelve fifteen, twelve thirty. And then yeah. all of a sudden the feeling changes.
1: Absolutely. The mind gets to racing.
0: So, so let's talk about your family. So um, t- tell me about your, your kids your, or your daughter, boys. What are you made up of?
1: Right, right. So I have one kid, I have a daughter, her name is Savannah. I love her to the end of the earth and back. And uh, she comes from my, my only marriage. Uh, we got divorced when she was about two. Um, her mom remarried and relocated to North Carolina. I currently reside in Michigan, originally from Detroit, currently living in Lansing right outside of uh, MSU where I graduated. And um, my relationship with my daughter is, is it's everything because I understand that the legacy I leave behind is going to be in the, the character that I helped her to develop the principles and the values that I helped to plant in her. And, you know, our kids are our legacy. So. That's something that I always keep, like, at the forefront of my mind. Um, As far as the family I come from, uh, my mom and dad had me. I'm the first uh, of three Carter boys. Uh, My dad also has three additional children. So it's a total of six of us from my dad's side, but my mom and dad had three.
2: And I'm the oldest
1: out of everybody. And so I say the Carter boys because that's just been who we were from, you know, yay high. Uh, I do have an intricate story in terms of that. My first eight years, I grew up with my grandmother, so I always looked at her as my mom. And so when she lost custody of me, I was age eight, about third grade. And then I came to live with my mom and my brothers. My dad was in prison. Uh, uh, He went to prison, Jody, when I was about uh, six. And so... You know, if you can imagine just a little bit of what I told you, dad goes to prison at six, I'm living with my grandmother. Then, I, you know, custody changes hands Now I'm living with my mom. It's a brand new environment. And in each household, both my grandmother and my mom, there was a lot of moving and relocating. I didn't go to the same school for three years in a row until like I was 10, 11, 12, 13. So like middle school. And so it was just a lot of transition. So it, it, it forced me to learn the skill of adaptation. And, um, you know, and we talk about expectations, expectations constantly shift. And so uh, those are some of my experiences. I ended up being a first generation college graduate. I was uh, the beneficiary, yes, yes, proud beneficiary of a Wade McCree scholarship that gave me the opportunity to attend Michigan State University where I became the first in my uh, family to graduate from uh, a four-year institution. And so, uh, and what what makes that interesting, just a little caveat here. So I graduate first gen from Michigan State. And next Friday this time, I'll be headed to our arch rival, U of M, to deliver a keynote address to a scholarship program that is focused on first-generation college uh, students. And so the the journey comes full circle, and, um, you know, this Spartan is going to help you with That
0: That is awesome, and Congratulations, and uh, shout-out to you for making that. And there's so much to unpack there. So let, let's start at your daughter, because I think a lot of times, whether you're in the same city or you're across states like you guys are, Trying to figure out how, how do you create a legacy and a connection, most importantly, with your daughter when she's not even in the same neighborhood.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's first of all it's hard. Just start there. It's a challenge. It's difficult. Um, I am. Um, we. I, I like I said. She. We were divorced when she was two, so I have those initial years. But that that just plants some of the emotional bond. But then as they get older, they, they forget some of those things that, you, you know, that's why we always them, I changed your diaper. They don't remember that, but it was important, right? Um, I took you to the first this or they, we did that. So what I did with her, um, we established some, some routines that allowed us to continue to strengthen the emotional connection. Um, I constantly take the approach that she is my greatest um, curiosity, meaning, I am curious to know what God wants for my daughter to be in this world. Right. And so what are her gifts? What are her talents? What are her skills? And then I look to pour into that. So sometimes I think as parents, we try to make them what we want them to be. And I'm constantly trying to discover what she was meant to be. And Mm. there's, there's there's a difference. So I'm not trying to form her into what I want her to be. I am trying to form the habits. I'm trying to form. But commitment or dedication or honesty, uh, integrity, those type of values are, are important no matter what the person becomes. So I, I was focusing on, along with the mom, because we have a good co-parenting relationship, we focus on establishing those values, those core values, but then discovering what the gifts are, discovering what the interests are I'm pouring into that. So we, we talk on the phone, we FaceTime. Um, We could write a little bit more. That's one thing I want to focus on, like old school writing letters that goes in the mail, put the stamp, and you open it. Want to do more of that? Uh, And um, we have our saying that we say ever since she was uh, in kindergarten, um, one of us, whoever beats whoever to the punch, will say life is best, and the other will finish the statement. When I am my best, and so that the Mm. whole thing was something I told her in elementary. You know, because if you apply that to every day in kindergarten, every day in whatever you do. Life, my life is best when I am my best. So if you give your best, that's going to be the best way to put yourself in a position to have the best of life come back to you.
0: Oh, I, I love that phrase. I mean, that that is, there's so much power in that, you know, to, to visualize, you know, life is at its best when I am my best, right? When I'm working and striving to be mm-hmm. better than I was yesterday, So this kind of brings me back around to you as a young boy. I mean, kudos to your grandma and kudos to your mom for stepping up and taking on the dual role of parent, mom, dad, grandparent, you know, that there's so much in a lot of families that falls, unfortunately, on the mom or the grandma, right? So how did you, how did you find your manhood through that process?
1: Uh, It it was real intricate situation because, um, so to get a little bit deeper into it, my mom actually lost custody of me when I was one. So my grandmother actually had custody of me when I was one. So when my dad went to prison, it wasn't from him and me living in a relationship or in a household with me and my, uh, my mom. Um, it was, I was in uh, with my grandmother. And so uh, it, it was a lot of moving parts. And that's why I said, I, I've always looked at it as my grandmother being my mom, especially emotionally speaking. She was my for, first source of love, first source of key life lessons, first uh, sense of family. Uh, which created tension then, because when at age eight, my mom won the custody battle. There was a lot of tension there between my grandmother and my mom, and you know, emotionally, some confusion there for me because I felt this level, this high level of dedication and loyalty to my grandmother because she was what you know always knew was home and always knew was love. And then, but I knew that my mom was my birth mom, and I also had my brothers, and I wanted to be around them, and so it was challenging, and so. I learned the need to adapt and adjust at a very early age. And I know you mentioned uh the, the idea of uh understanding or gaining identity of manhood. I still was in contact with my father. We wrote letters all the time. We would visit him in prison, which is a whole different experience, I'll tell you about another time. And I looked to male role models, whether it was basketball coaches, my track coach people that I, public figures I read about, um, Martin Luther King or Malcolm X, I would look for male role models and I would, so basically what I was doing is, imagine like a puzzle, I'm grabbing pieces of men and trying to put them together to form a picture of the man that I was trying to become. Uh, Whereas if the dad is in the household, it's almost like when America got the Louisiana purchase, you get one big chunk and you might supplement some small pieces here and there, but you got that strong foundation and so, that's my experience was more like piecemealing things from this person and that person. Some people in history, some people who are public figures, some people who are the basketball coaches and just trying to put it all together. So uh, to be honest, it was like a lifelong project.
0: The imagery of that is really powerful, right? You think about a thousand piece puzzle and here you are the young boy and a growing young man and you're going, right, what do I want my life to look like? Mm -hmm. So let me take a piece from Martin Luther King or from this leader, from this coach, or from this teacher, and think about taking a puzzle piece and trying to fit it in right.
1: Because it looks like it fits.
0: (laughs) It looks like it fits, but it's not quite right, right? And so having the maturity and obviously the experience the attitude of experimentation and adopting those things and going, all right, how do I morph this piece into my experience and help me become the man that I envision myself to be?
1: Uh, I would say that it's a process. That's the main thing is understanding that nobody starts off as a finished product. That every expert was at first a beginner and so we have to give ourselves grace to understand that we're going to make mistakes but we also have to give ourselves accountability to learn from those mistakes and i think that that's the balance that sometimes we go too far to one side or too far to the other when we say uh when we don't give ourselves grace we just beat ourselves up like oh you know i i it's a personal peeve of mine to hear people say oh i'm so stupid or oh you're down you're so dumb like when people their self-talk because if you down talk yourself you don't stand a chance when the, the negativity on the outside world comes. But on the flip side, there are people who are a bit delusional. They think they never make mistakes and everything is perfect. And so we have to find this balance in the middle and we have to use the hand that life dealt us to put this together, because, you know, we all are adult. We understand that life didn't deal with us all the same hand. We were born in different parts of the world. We were born in different socioeconomic uh, uh, statuses. We were born in different heights, different ways, different, all of these different things, different uh, personalities, different perspectives. And you have but I do believe this no matter where you're born, of, you were born to be great. But you have to demand that greatness from first from yourself and then from others. And so that is where that came from. That belief is that life is more about not where I am, but who I am. Life is not only about um, uh, where you're going or where you're at, but where you're going. And so we have to remember those things that it starts with us accepting what we've been given, but then making the best of it.
2: So think about that you know, you, like I said, you do a lot of coaching, you do a lot of public speaking, and with the goal and the mission and the purpose of helping people to discover and demand greatness in themselves. And I'm thinking of a lot of men that I've talked to, you know, they have been addicted to porn and they're on the edge or they have lost their marriage, they've been addicted to alcohol or drugs. They've been addicted to work, so they haven't been present. They've walked out, right? And then all of a sudden they're trying to reconnect with their kids. And I think a lot of times we men, especially if we've caused a a trail of tears, we tend to always be looking in the rearview mirror instead of going, all right, owning that and going, all right, that was yesterday. How do I move forward today and become the man and the father and the husband? If you're married, the partner, how do I move from that to here moving forward?
1: I think the key word to that is vision. Like what vision do we have of the future and where you want that to go? See, I got on my Steelers shirt, right? So I'm a big football fan, big sports fan. And what happens is uh sports gives us the opportunity to apply some of what you said what happens when you had a bad game or a bad play or a bad season you have to hit a reset button and then focus forward you gotta remember the lessons from what happened before but not allow it to trap you where you gotta where you think it's gonna uh, create your future right and so um One of the biggest, you know, I'm a Pittsburgh Steelers fan through and through, right? But one of the biggest people I admire and respect is Tom Brady. Because no matter at any point in the game, no matter how many plays he hasn't won, no matter where his team is at, he still looks forward with the idea that we can win this game, right? And so that's why he has the greatest comeback in Super Bowl history. People don't understand sometimes is that, yeah, when I grew up, if there was a ten-point lead in the Super Bowl, the game was over. No one in the history of the game had ever come back from down ten, and Tom Brady first did it, I believe, in uh, against the, uh, Seattle when they were down fourteen, and he he helped them come back. But you know, and so that was huge. But if people don't remember what we're talking about, the Patriots were down twenty-eight to three. That's a twenty-five point deficit. Yep. Now remember, I was telling you, when I grew up, if it was 10, this was two and a half times greater than what I thought was impossible. Yeah. But it's just something about watching him just continue to believe, continue to keep this team inspired and play by play. They put themselves in a position. And so in life, what happens is you find yourself down, you find yourself behind. But if you have a vision and a will to win. You have to make sure you take advantage of every little opportunity. Just put yourself in a better position. And we don't make all the comebacks. Again, last year, he was, again, they were down 20, I want to say 28 to 7, in NFC championship game. He brought his team all the way back. They tied the game, then they lost. But it was the same principle. He just would not quit. And that's how we have to look at life. I might be behind, but I cannot quit. I got to make the best of what's in front of me instead of focusing on what's behind.
2: Yeah, and – And I think one of the things I have this vision of my mind and I talk about it all the time, especially with football, right? Offense and defense, they're leaning into each other and it's a game of inches. And so we have to embrace as men, as fathers, as husbands, that, you know what? Your family game is a game of inches. And sometimes... You or your wife or both of you get tripped up and you get sacked, right? And all of a sudden you feel like you're like taking major leaps backwards. But you got to regroup and you got to go, look, you know what? That was a huge challenge for our family. That was a huge challenge for us as a couple. It was a huge challenge for you as kids. But you know what? We're going to lean into each other and we're going to press forward and we're going to become the family that we want to be. Right. Mm. But unless you're consistently leaning into each other through those dark times, you're you're not gonna ever get to where you want. And and it's easy to get discouraged. And I love that because Tom Brady is like even when he's down, he's got a vision of going, this is possible, and I'm going to be the leader that helps drive people towards the same vision.
1: Absolutely. And, and and you just had a key word, the leader. Somebody has to be the person that reminds everybody where we're going.
2: Yeah, exactly. And,
1: and I remember this story uh, that uh, when they were sailing from Europe over to America, uh, on the boat, I forget the name of the ship, that Christopher Columbus was, that at one point, that ride was a very long ride. That ride was very rocky. They didn't know. There were some people in Europe that thought the, the world was still flat. So they thought we are just going to sail right off the edge and fall off. And so they were getting frustrated. They were getting upset. And at one point, they wanted to have a mutiny. And somebody said, throw Christopher over the edge. And somebody else stopped them and said, we can't throw him. He's the only one convinced that we're going to make it. He's the only one that knows where we're going. And so there's a value in having a strength of will and a vision for where you want to go and how to get there that other people will begin to respect. Other people will begin to to magnetically follow. Right. And so that's something that we got to keep in mind is that somebody has to be the leader to remind everybody why we're doing this and where we're going and what's going to become of it. Because in hard times, you feel the pain in the moment, you feel the discomfort in the moment, you feel the frustration. But somebody has to remind you that it's all for a purpose. It's all for a reason. It's for a greater good. And so as men, I think we are perfectly equipped to be able to compartmentalize challenges and tragedy and not allow it to overcome vision and aspiration, that you still have a dream and a goal, even though you're in a dark space. And so we have to be able to feed ourselves. And here's catch this. Be prepared for those moments before they show up.
2: Yeah yeah and then that's that you can be prepared for those moments if you have vision yeah right when you have vision it's easy to go you know what this is just a moment it's a season and the the challenging part is in the season sometimes all you see is a storm
1: oh, that's unless
2: true. you cling to that vision unless you cling to that purpose of being a father that is going to rally around his kids to be a rally around his children, it's easy to just want to throw in the towel, throw Christopher Columbus overboard, throw the wife overboard, throw the kids overboard, and go, you know what? I'm going I on I go. <laughs> wait a sec. No, no, no. Stay true to your vision, right? And I think a lot, and I mean, we could go off on so many tangents on this, but I want to be respectful of your time. So so oh, we wrap up, what, are, what is one or two key things that you think are critical for men to do as fathers in their home?
1: Number one is remember the purpose. The purpose is like we just talked about, being a leader, and the purpose is to leave a legacy. Um, you know, we've been talking finally of my grandmother, and I'm sad to say that last Christmas we lost her, oh, um, so transitioned, and uh, she's in a better place. Uh, but I just I just remember her legacy was love and everybody was loved by her. Uh, and not last week, very uh, one of my best friends and, um, you know, attended his service. And what, what I keep remembering, was it's a stark reminder that all of us will have a time where we transition. Right. That we will have a time on this earth that is a beginning and an end. And what do we do in the middle is everything. And so we have to remember that this is all for a purpose, that that my goal is to pass the baton to my daughter and put her in a better place at her age than I was at that age. Like we have to keep the focus and the purpose that it's greater than ourselves, it's beyond ourselves. And we are a critical part. The second thing is this, we have to be the best example we can be with our life and not just our words. Like we have to we have to be a shining example of what it means to live with integrity, to live with purpose, to be resilient, to to the, the principles we want our children to be. The first reference they should be able to go to is our lifestyle. They should be able to be like, I'm not a quitter because I remember my dad did X, Y and Z and he didn't quit. You know, or I remember when um, uh, things were challenging, there was conflict. I remember how my dad handled the conflict like we are. Now, here's the thing. We're reference points for our kids for good, or better or worse, whether we want to be or not. And so what we have to do is we have to challenge ourselves, one, to, to keep our eyes focused on the purpose and two, be the best example that we can be moving forward. Because what we can't do is just get stuck on what happened in the past, the past, the past. Now, here's the thing. We might have to talk about this on another episode. The past becomes the future when you focus on it in the present.
2: Ooh, say that again. That's really deep.
1: The past becomes the future when it's all you focus on in the present. So if you're using today to think about what happened yesterday, you're actually catapulting yesterday into tomorrow. Mm. Tomorrow is a blank script. Tomorrow is 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 an empty canvas. It can be what we want it to be. The problem is sometimes we're looking back so much that we drag that right onto we drag the dirty past right onto the clean future. Right. And so what we what we have to do is use today to create tomorrow. Learning from what we did in the past, but not
2: mimicking it. Yeah.
1: It makes sense. Yeah.
2: So no, I, I love that.
1: Yeah, and so that's, that's something. I actually shared that with the, the Ready to Win event um, that uh, you have to understand that today didn't just happen. Today happened as a culmination of all your yesterdays. So it's, today is actually creating your tomorrow and however you want it to be starts now. You got to plant the seeds, what you want in the future now. And those moments will look much better going forward if you're taking that approach.
2: That's awesome. Well, I want to thank you so much for, taking the time to visit with me this uh, this afternoon. I mean, obviously, we can keep going.
1: We'll be back for sure. I can feel it. I already know.
2: We'll, we'll have to do a round two. But uh, for those of you that don't know DeAndre Carter, go out to Facebook, go to Instagram, look him up. It's DeAndre Carter. He's a coach. He's a father. He's a speaker. All with the mindset of demanding greatness out of you, out of yourself. Yeah. And so make sure they connect. Is there any other place that they should be connecting with you?
1: you? You can connect with me on LinkedIn. You can also go to www.demandgreatnessbook.com and you'll find me there.
2: That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to visit with me. Um, if there's anything I can do to reciprocate this awesome time that you've given me, thank you so much. Guys that are listening, please, man tap in. Remember to like, share, and subscribe. And as always, we will check you guys same time, same bad channel just next week. See ya. Thank you for having me.